Hi, my name is Ellie Owens. I'm vice president and co-founder of E2 Gold, and I'm here with Natalie pierchuk Renault, our vice president exploration. We are both geologists by background, and so we're here to talk to you about the technical aspect of E2 Gold, which is a junior gold exploration company located in North Central Ontario. We are listed on the TSXV under ETU. Great. Ellie, thank you. What a great introduction. Um, <clears throat> so we've got uh, E2 Gold here today with me. Um, I'm relatively new to the E2 Gold story. You listed only this year. Um, and I, I'm very interested in to kind of understand how you're approaching the, the, the geology. So um, let's get stuck into it. I mean, could you just by way of orientation, give a quick kind of overview or a kind of a run through of what kind of your main projects are and your main activity, please? Sure, we'll just pull up these slides here to orient everybody with where we're located. So as I said, we are located in North Central Ontario. Um, you can see right here, our focus is the Hawkins Gold Project. Um, and centered in the Hawkins Gold Project is the McKinnon resource. That is an NI43101 compliant resource. And that's sort of where we've been drilling and where we've been spending most of our activities. And I'll hand it over to Natalie to give you a bit of an intro on the geology of the resource itself. Okay, so we're pretty excited about the Hawkins project for where it's located and the geological context that uh, we're in. So we believe that we are on a large scale, a shear structure that could be connected to the Hemlo uh, deposit to the uh, west and yep. also the extension over to Timmins to the east. Let's go to geology. Okay. So here's the geological map of our um, claims as of uh, September. And what we are excited about is that we have a greenstone belt that is about 2.6 billion years old. And it's in contact uh, with a number of uh, igneous rocks like our tonalite and granodiorite and different types of rocks. And we have um, early indication through our mapping that we have very tight shear zone-like structures and myelinitic structures. So there's a lot of evidence to suggest that we've had high strain shear in a deformation zone. Um, and we also have some geophysics to suggest that there are these long continuous structures. And we see that continuity from the west all the way down to the eastern side of the plains. So just a bit of an orienting here, these black lines represent shear zones and you can see a bit of a confluence here on our property along with Greenstone Belt. And for those of you who are not as technical, um, lots of gold mines are, are, are situated on the confluence of shear zones and greenstone belt. So it's a really important geologic setting for gold production. And just and you can you just point out where um, McKinnon is, please? Right here. So it's the, the red underneath the black here. It's a very small, it's 3.5 uh, kilometers, but we have very extensive claims. So when you get to the scale of map, it's hard to see. Yeah. Okay. So the McKinnon zone itself, only three and a half kilometers long, as Natalie just said, but the rest of our property package is about 80 kilometers long. So there's lots of other potential targets on that property package. And so you've got um, sugar zone there. What's that? Uh, 60, maybe 70 kilometers to the west of you? More like 45, 45 okay. kilometers as the crow, okay. crow flies. As, as the crow flies. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's, um, that's an orogenic gold, isn't it? That's called, that's called carbonate system. It's, it's, mm -hmm. Um, not, it's, it's a structural uh, deposit, isn't it? It's not particularly um, linked to the um, to the intrusions. Um, I noticed in one, in one of your presentations, you you say this could be a kind of potential hemlo lookalike. Um, perhaps you could just explain why that's important and what what makes you think that it is a hemlo style lookalike. The mineralization here. 
Yeah, so and this is early stage exploration. So in the early stages, you do put kind of a, a context to your deposit and work with those ideas and um, try and understand uh, similarities to other deposits. So within the, the actual geological context of the Hawkins, uh, we believe we're in an orogenic uh, kind of gold system, a large system along a regional structure. We have similar age rocks to Hemlo. We're dealing with uh, the amphibolite about 2.6 uh, same type of situation of tonalitic and uh, granodiorite uh, rocks that are in contact within a, a high deformation zone. So within that context, we, we believe that we have a lot of similarities um, in order to investigate. So in the early stages right now, we have in the zone um, four characteristics that we use to define the zone. Uh, we have high myelinitic straining, um, bleaching, complete silicification, sericitation. We have the dismembered quartz veins um, that disrupt the fabric here. You can see it wrapping around and we have these uh, coarse pyrite. So from that situation, you bring geologists on the property and they say, oh, that looks like hemlo. That looks very similar in that sense of high strain quartz veins tied up in that, in that kind of uh, rock structure. The, the host rock is uh, tonalite. Um, and what we're doing right now with our rocks is we're trying to understand the overall alteration footprint to see if um, there are similarities in our alteration pattern to uh, hemlo. So yeah, what we were looking at just there was one of our high grade samples. And so from a high level, the mineralization is the same style of mineralization at, at, at uh, Hemlo. The other aspect is the distribution of gold. Um, we're seeing sort of high um, or wide zones up to even 27, 30 meters um, focused around very high grades uh, within of, of over about a meter or so. Um, so a very similar style of distribution. Um, it's important to note too that the underlying claims were actually staked by Don McKinnon, who was the original um, staker for part of the Hemlo deposit. And he staked these claims at McKinnon um, for the similarities. But as Natalie said, it is important to realize too that we are early stage. And so this is sort of what we're looking at right now. It's a working model right now, but those things update as we get more information. There's a lot to unpack in that. Um, so <laughs> let me just let me just kind of backtrack a bit. And um, can you remind me why Hemlo is important? Um, you know, how many ounces of gold uh, are have been kind of within Hemlo? Hemlo is one of Canada's largest gold mines to date. About 24 million ounces have been mined from Hemlo and still going. Um, Barrick actually is recently uh, expanding westward of the of the initial mine footprint that Barrick owns right now and so it's one of the largest mines and that's why it's really important and the, the i mean hemlo's got a very funny exploration history because it, it was it was always explored in three blocks and it was operated in th by three operators and it was only consolidated in 2016 and uh, correct me if i'm wrong but i think it was um early exploration was for vms style mineralization in the 1980s and that, that's going that sparked a wave of exploration um in hemlo and it's it's only really recently in the last five years that we've that the geologists have been able to get a kind of a fuller picture from it and what i understand it's kind of so distinctive about hemlo i mean you've talked about the 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 structure and the you know those those mckinnon zone characteristics but uh, for me one of the key elements in in hemlo is the kind of the geochemical signature the fact that it's um, the 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 thinking now? I believe it, at Hemlo is that it's it was actually part. It was very strongly intrusion related. It may be the upper part of an epithermal or or upper part of a porphyry system. 
Uh, it's got a strong um, uh, molybdenite uh, or molybdenum signature. It's got uh, vanadium, arsenic, mercury. Are you seeing any of those? Oh, uh, sorry. And the, of course, the key thing, the, the key thing is this massive um, overprinting of um, potassium feldspar. You've got this kind of feldspathification, which in some ways kind of obliterates all texture in the rock. Um, so have you got any of those kind of um, beyond the structural, um, have you got any of those kind of geochemical or alteration characteristics that kind of are leading you towards Hemlo? Yeah, so we do see definitely a link with ozone and uh, potassium alteration. Uh, I would say that it's not consistent that we can find yet along the zone. Uh, there's definitely some concentrated areas that are potassium overprint. Um, and we do see intrusion-related uh, geochemical signature. Uh, it's not identical to Hemlo. We do see a strong link to uh, bismuth, zinc, and tungsten, um, mm. and uh, also a calcium uh, silicate component that, uh, that's uh, cropped up uh, within the last few weeks of looking at some of the, uh, the results. So I think from, regardless if the, if the source is, might not be identical in composition, I do think that we see an intrusion related um, source that is affecting or coming along a, a large scale structure. Okay. And I would say we do see, um, we do have molybdenite that does occur on the property. We have not seen it consistently in the drill hole. So we haven't figured out that context yet. Uh, but we also see galena um, in, in the holes as well. In, in the 43101, you talk about um, some kind of pinkish alteration. Um, could that be some hematite dusting rather than K-Felspar? We could see some hematite dusting, but we don't tend to see that as much in the uh, drill core. We tend to see more K-Spar and different compositions in the K-Spar alteration. Interesting, but as you say, early days. Goodness, um, where, where, where to unpack it? So um, what are you doing at the moment? What's the plan? What's the winter plan? And then what's the summer plan? Okay, so right right now we have, we're finishing up our um, some of our initially planned holes. So we have three different sets of, of holes that we're looking at. We're doing deep target holes. So we've done a systematic uh, drilling about 300 meters apart, uh, 500 meters below the surface. And we've gone along the length of the McKinnon zone. Um, we have results that are uh, pending. We're waiting for the assays on those, um, but those are our deep target holes and we've done, our focus has been on those. Um, we've done a few and a geochemistry holes, we call them, which are testing some of the uh, dip and structures just to see if we can find a, a roots to the, to the system. And we also have uh, geophysics targets that's not on the McKinn zone that is a complete exploration of a, of a different geophysical target. So our plans are to finish up those holes and um, with the assay results, plan for a more um, refined um, drilling program. At the same time, so we're, we're looking, we're sort of going along a parallel path here of, to remind people the McKinnon zone is three and a half kilometers of an 80 kilometer property package. Mm -hmm. So we're really looking at, we're, we're stepping out and exploring targets off of the McKinnon zone as well, which as Natalie noted, um, was some of the geophysical targets to the north of the McKinnon zone. Um, and so it's important to note that we're sort of, we're, we're starting to step away from the McKinnon zone itself as well. It's good to understand the context. So, and I should say, but part of our drilling program is not just within the McKinnon zone that we, we want to test out a long strike as well. So okay. we'll yes. in the West. That was, that was actually the question, you know, how much was within the, um, how much was the, the depth extension and how much was the strike extension of your drilling? 
Um, have you got a map of your uh, or kind of a plot that you can um, show us? I think that'd be useful in this context. Yeah, we can. We'll show you a geophysics map and then a um, long section here of That's here we go. Thanks of what we're doing. So, okay, this is this is the central 15 kilometers of the property of the yeah. Hawkins property. The McKinnon zone is in red right here. The pretty easy targeting method here is sort of the step out along strike. As you can see, it sits right at this geophysical signature interface between the low magnetic signature and the green. This is an Aramaic survey we took last, last fall. Um, yeah. And that signature traces really nicely to the east, hits this high grade prospect, traces nicely to the west, hits all of these high grade prospects, most of which have never been drill tested. So part of our program is stepping out along strike to start testing those geophysical signatures east and west. And then the other, the other, um, what we're also focusing on is in this northern area. Um, sort of these low magnetic signatures up here are pretty interesting for us. We actually took this airborne survey and had uh, another geophysicist reprocess it to sort of remove the remnant magnetism. Um, and you can't see it on this map, but it did refine down these anomalies um, and made kind of provided a more specific location for where we want to focus. And that's been pretty interesting for us. Mm -hmm. And we're really excited to see how that turns out, because if that turns out to be a useful tool, we just did a large airborne magnetic survey on our Western claims. Those are the ones that haven't been explored yet. And so if this reprocessing turns out to be useful on the McKinnon zone, it could really help us refine drill targets for the Western block of this property package. Great. And, and um, while you've, sorry, while you've still got that map up, can you just show me where you drilled on uh, where you have been drilling on this map? Or do, you, do we need to zoom in again? Um, okay. Should we do another map with the, oh, the children? Okay. Uh, so for the most part, we've been uh, drilling. Well, we drilled all along right now within the central part of the Hawkins at the deep targets. We've been focusing uh, some of our shallower holes on the, uh, the Western segment. Um, we've got some interesting signatures. It was also related to weather. Now that it's freezing up, we will be able to move a little bit more to, to the East um, because there's some swampy sections. So we've, we've focused on the geochem and the depth along more of the central portion. And in the winter time, we're hoping to be able to get over to the Eastern side because uh, of uh, winter freeze up. And, and so the, I'll just sorry, sorry the, the geochem is that um bottom of um is it all glacial till area here? You're doing um um till sampling or you know how, how does the geochem work here? So the geochem works um actually if you wanna sorry, I'm such a noob on Canadian exploration. Oh, yeah, I've, okay. I've, I've I've only ever I've only ever worked in um uh, no, not in not in Canada, so uh, I don't know how geochem works in Canada. So this is looking at um what we had done. I'm not sure the, it's in a different presentation. It's in a different technical presentation. Okay. Um, what we did was we just looked at the assay results along the uh, along the cross section, and then what we had done is we had contoured that that uh, the the assay results and forced it into a, a structural dip and are testing that that dip. So we forced it into a 65 70 degree dip to the west because there's a lot of structures in our system that have that that dip. We have open folds on the western part of the claims um, where the confluence of those two uh, arms seem to meet mm. and they all plunge to the west by 70, 65, 70 degrees. The same with the large scale dikes that cross cut as well as some offsets. They all seem to dip 70 degrees uh, to the west, which I find very curious because it's very similar to the dips 
that we see over in the heart uh, sugar zone deposit as well as over at Hemlo. So it's a some interesting structural overprint. That, some kind of regional fabric. Right. But to answer your question about the geochem in this case, what Natalie's referring to are um, assay results from our uh, core, from, from our yeah. core from the drill program. But and other sources, other sources would also be soil sampling of the overburden, which we are planning to do in the central 15 kilometers. But on the Western claim block, you do get more till. You do get more of that glacial sediment that will have to be planning a separate different program for that Western claim block. You'd and then have the to do third, um, kind of um, air core and kind of take um, bottom of till surf, um, samples. Yeah. yeah. And then the and third you, source. Sorry, does, is that two meters? Is yeah. it 15 meters of till? I mean, what, how, what thicknesses have you got? It varies. There's a, quite a few lakes over on that side. So I would say that we're dealing with some, we have to figure out what those uh, depths are. I mean, we just, we just started out with our Western claim block. Uh, so that has to be investigated, but our, our plan is the Northern part of our Hawkins project is also covered by glacial till. So the plan is to do an orientation survey and give a test to see how the soils behave and the suitability of the different analytical techniques and test out the size fractions to see um, what we can find over a known part of the, of the property and then try and see if we can apply that to the Western claim block as well. Okay, Sorry. great. And there is a third source, which is lake sediment sample. Um, you, we have uh, quite a number of results back from sort of provincial surveys that were done. And so that's also, that also can be very helpful. Um, because, yeah, it's a, it's a boggy area for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I've done a bit of exploration up in uh, Sweden, but I've never worked in Canada. So, okay. okay. Um, yeah. It's quite quite similar terrain, I think. Now, what I realised we haven't touched on is you haven't, um, I haven't asked any questions about the McKinnon resource itself. Um, can you just describe that in terms of tons and grade and widths and just general kind of aspect of it? it, it you know, is it a starter or is it, you know, what's your thinking on it? So um, it, it's, 328,000 ounces of gold, 6.2 million tons, grading 1.65 grams per ton. It is a starter in the sense that you, it's pit constrained, but you're not going to mind this. Um, but it's zero to 125, 150 meters depth. So that's very shallow. Um, yeah. And that's really where uh, kind of the low hanging fruit target potential comes in um, for McKinnon. Width, it's about anywhere between 15 and 25 meters, 30 meters wide. So it's pretty wide and three and a half kilometers long. And just to give people a concept of how shallow that really is when you're looking at um, potential mine potential, which is what you know everybody's trying to go for at the end of the day anyways. Um, we have taken the McKinnon zone here in purple. This is a longitudinal section um, and overlaid it on top of Hemlo. Um, and so the purpose here is to kind of give an idea of really how shallow this is. So McKinnon zone zero to 125 uh, meters. Um, the Hemlo mine in yellow here goes down to almost two kilometers. So lots, a long way to go to really determine if there's mine potential here. I think that's a bit cheeky, that, that map. Um, I knew you would. I knew you think that. <laughs> I think that's a bit of a stretch, but um, yeah, but um, I, I take your point. It's shallow and you need to find those um, plunging, plunging shoots. Pull in the data that you've got, um, review where you've got to, what happens next? Are you going to be, um, so, so, how, so how much drilling have you, wait, are you, how much drilling are you waiting for the assays on? We are waiting for about, uh, we're going to be waiting for about 15 drill holes. 
uh, season 15 drill holes. So quite, quite a few of our drill holes. Um, there was a delay in the supply chain, what I understand when it came to doing fire assays in some of the labs, um, yep. they didn't have the material to do it. So all the labs are pretty much backed up on that. How many of you reported prior, prior to this? Or was, uh, will these be the first 15? We've done the first 17 samples from the winter program. And we are waiting for a few results, uh, a few more results in order to start doing batch uh, release on the, on the summer program. So you, so you did 17 drill holes, reported on those, and you've done another 15. We did another 15, and we've only received assays back for three of them, three of those holes. And as of yesterday morning, we're about a month out from any new results. Unfortunately, but it is industry wide. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no. I mean, I'm I'm working in South America. And Very I'm frustrating. Dealing with the same issues, you know, you're calling them yeah. the whole time, saying where are our assays, and yeah. you try, um, you try different labs, and you've got the same same problems. So yeah, no, I've got exactly. um, you've got my wholehearted sympathy on that. Um, what would you consider to be kind of the um, um, a, a technical success or a or a you know let's 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 push the boat out and what you say kind of a real success what you're realistically looking for in terms of yeah this is this is we're on it we're um we take we raise some more money and we go on to the next phase or we've got enough money to do the next phase what what for you constitutes success in this in the in the drill results at that depth at the 500 meter depth um we're really it would be great to get you know between six and ten grams per ton over a couple of couple of meters, um, that would be great results. Um, Hemlo is about a six to 11 gram per ton average grade. Um, and so if you want to mine at that, that depth, that's kind of what we're looking at. Mm -hmm. um, the most likely outcome is going to be sort of a gray area for us. It's most likely not going to be a black and white answer yeah. on this current drill program. Um, but that's also why we are uh, exploring targets off of the McKinnon zone as well. And we're sort of doing a two track system there, but that's yeah. sort of what we would love so, to see. I mean, you've, you've basically said success is a 20 gram meter intersection. Mm -hmm. um, it's interesting because uh, in, in uh, different jurisdictions so in, in Ecuador where I'm working, uh, uh, we're talking to the 50 to hundred gram meter, but it's a different jurisdiction. You know, Canada's different. Um, Really interesting. Um, I, th I think that's been a fantastic um, oversight and a kind of um, an, uh, review of the technical data. Is there anything else that you feel that I should know before uh, we, we wrap it up? Um, I guess that, you know, we, we're really confident about how we're approaching this because we have a very technical team um, outside of Natalie and myself. There's Eric, who is our CEO and president. He's got 30 years in the industry, experience in the industry. Um, he's a geologist. He ran and started and ran Alexandria Minerals. And we've got a number of board members who are very engaged and also very technical in their background. So really, you're committing to a, a, a great look at this geology and a great look at this project. And um, that's important. If there's something there, I think we'll we'll do our best to find it. Is it fair to say that a lot of the exploration in this area has been done almost for BMSs? It was kind of in the 80s, it was Naranda, it was Falconbridge, and they found gold, but they just kind of said, ah, we're not looking for that. That's exactly a lot of what happened. So Falconbridge, um, as you're discussing, um, did the main drilling for this McKinnon resource back in the 1980s. And at, the same, at that time, it, it was not looking for gold and it was more of a competitive edge to, you know, 
try and compete with Naranda and it just wasn't that interested in, in this sort of mineralization and deposit. The other aspect is that you get advances in technology, such as people don't see this as technology, but back in the day it was. Heap leaching is a big reason why these types of deposits were more useful. And as I've said many times before, um, this idea of looking for these types of uh, deposits really can be a bit of a trend in geologic thinking and people really weren't looking at this style of deposit um, back in the 90s people really started coming into more northern Canada in the early 2000s and so this area hasn't seen a lot of activity so a lot of it is just sort of geologic fashion trends if you will on what the right type of deposit is of the day. Um, yeah, and just to follow up with Ellie there, the, the technology and the improvement in computers has really helped out with us on the analytical side, because if you look at how we can um, collect data for geophysics and IP, um, and how we can now deal with different things in our uh, assay results as well, there's a, a lot of things that we can do now with data and how we can collect data that really does improve um, how we can analyze it. Yeah, yeah, I, I see that absolutely. The you know the the processing um, capacity for computers to really give the um, the granularity, the detail on the geophysics, uh, the the cost of geophysics to get multi-element um, uh, uh, assays. It's it's really transformed the industry, and it's really helping us um, explore undercover. And just maybe emphasize that point really quickly here. I just want to give an idea of of that movement into the region. So we've got Hemlo here, Timmins over here, obviously very historic gold mining camps, but these mines here in this central, central area represent 26 million ounces of gold that have come online in the past 15 years. So this area here really hasn't been that active um, until about 15 years ago. Just yeah. to give that sense of, this is sort of a new look at this area. Or an emerging look. Great. And um, if you look at the data and where the drill holes are going uh, in it, globally, worldwide, it's uh, Australia and Canada are leading it. And uh, the more drill holes, the more data points you test, the more targets you test, the more uh, discoveries you make. Well, good luck on the, on the discovery hunt. Um, thank you very much for your time. And I look forward to uh, speaking to you again, hopefully when you've got um, some, some great intersections. Yeah. yeah, thanks very much. It was Thank such you. a pleasure to meet you. You too. Bye. Bye.